0: Hi. I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. I love that aspirational hymn, they'll know we're Christians by our love. And it is aspirational. Um, Because perhaps maybe that's not always the way that we're perceived. But may it be so. May the Spirit make it that way. I remember hearing uh, a church sing that song, but with a twist. They said, they'll know we're Christians by the sticker on our car. (laughs) No, may it be by our love. This fourth week... Of this series on the Holy Spirit is the, is the final week that we'll be spending talking about who this Holy Spirit is for us. And there will be many days to come where we will talk about the Spirit and what the Spirit brings and gives. But today, we want to look one more time at the Spirit that God has given us, the Spirit that is God as Zach and I thought through how we might preach this fall, we thought about the importance of looking to the Holy Spirit. To remind one another that God is with us, that God is present among us, to know we are not alone, and we have help to know that we are united. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is our guide and our advocate in a murky world. That Christ Himself promised that He would send the Spirit among us. And we saw in the book of Acts, the Spirit fall upon the new church and see that the Holy Spirit empowers an otherwise weak community. And last week, we turned to one of the letters from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and we discovered that the Holy Spirit liberates us from death to life. And today we will continue in that chapter of the book of Romans in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. Before we do, I think it'd be good to remind each other what we know about who this Spirit is. These are some definitions that have helped me uh, as I think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the personal, powerful presence of God. The Spirit is sought. It comes upon humanity, empowers, guides, graces, shapes lives, watches over destinies, exactly as God does each of these things. For the Spirit of God is God. God is Holy Spirit. So if you look with me in Romans chapter 8, we'll begin in verse 12 and we'll read through the first half of 15. Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are obligated, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the way of the flesh, you will die. But if if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. Paul is writing to this early church that is confused and scared and facing many challenges and showing that the Spirit impacts them, impacts us, gives them a whole new family. Maybe for many of them, they had been forced out of their families because of their beliefs, and now they have a new family. In this passage, we see this family. We are joining the people of God. And like any family, that family has its own story. It has its purpose. right? Some families have a family business. Maybe you are in a family that has a family business. The family of God has a calling. A vocation. And it is the spirit that gives us both this story and this calling and the way to navigate it. You are adopted into the family of God. So you carry the family stories of the family of God and the family purpose. I want to tell you a little bit about my grandmother. I love my grandma. She is hilarious. She's an artist. She can be silly, and and something about my grandma is she always imagines the worst possible outcome. You know people like this. The kinds of things she shouts to you when you are leaving the house. She's always concerned about anything that can and might and will go wrong. She will admit that she is likely imagining these disasters often, but she is fiercely loving and she's committed to her family and I think my favorite story that we've passed on as a family, that we like to tell as a family, it happened on the day that my mom told her mom, my grandma, that she was pregnant with me. My mom had discovered that she was about to be a single teen mother, and she was terrified to tell her mom this news. She was terrified about what would happen with her life, what was to come. She was sobbing when she approached my grandma. And my grandma was worried by her reaction. She had already imagined some terrible thing that she must have done, something terrible that had maybe happened to one of her siblings. What's going on? The story goes, my mom says, I'm pregnant. My grandma took a breath. And said, is that all? (laughs) This was not to make light of the challenges that would come or to trivialize her fear. But in this moment, it was this true and honest reaction and reassurance. It was hope. It says, we are with you and I'm going to be with you and we're going to be okay. I'm so proud of that story of my family. And I tell you this story because as we look at the Holy Spirit, we see that we have been given this adoption into a new family, and with this family comes new stories. And I don't know what stories you have or are bringing with you today, but you have been given a new set of stories as well. The stories of God. The Spirit of God unites us to the family of God, and so we get wrapped into God's story, and God's story entangles our story. And these stories shape us by the Spirit. As we look again at that text in Romans, Paul is saying you didn't receive this spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption. And then earlier in 12, brothers and sisters, we are obligated. We are debtors. Okay, what are we obligated to? Paul goes on a tangent. Paul often goes on a tangent in verse 12. Well, not to the flesh, not to the old way of living. No, no. But you will live by the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit, you are a child of God. That word indebted, obligated, it maybe sounds icky to us. Right? Anybody in here who has some student debt, they're like, I don't want to talk about debt. I know the feeling. But here, this language of indebted, of obligated, it is not negative at all. It is a joyous response to a gift that has been given, something we must pay back. We want to pay back. We want to respond to. It says you are obligated to take on these stories, this direction from the Spirit because you are a child. You desire to respond. Yes, you are indebted. Indebted to a God who loves and the only way you can respond to that is to love back and love others. One theologian says it like this, that it's a debt of love that only love can repay. Paul is writing to this church. He says, do not go back to fear. Drawing on Old Testament images, remembering God's people when in the Old Testament they were in the wilderness and they thought, let's go back to slavery in Egypt because the wilderness is difficult. Paul says, don't be like that. You've been given new life, a new future, adoption. For Paul's audience, that would have been relevant. Because even in the Roman Empire, that they were a part of, the Caesar most recently had adopted his heir. So they were used to seeing somebody in power take someone else and prop them up, set them up to be something that they weren't before. God's people are adopted to care for this world, to walk in the way of Christ, to be empowered by God's Spirit to take on the stories, to take on the purpose. This adoption is about identity and it's about promise, about a hope of resurrection and a way to live as co-workers with God now. You've been given a Spirit of adoption. I thought if we were to mention this idea of adoption here in our church, it would only be right and good to hear from someone in our church who knows about adoption. And so our own children's director, Leah, recorded just a a quick reflection on what the word adoption means to her, and I'd love to show you that now. Good morning. My name is Leah Kramer. And for those who don't know, I'm adopted. I was adopted from China at 14 months old and I've been here ever since. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what it means and how it feels to be adopted. Well, being adopted to me means being supported by parents who I am not related to by blood, but we are a family. Blood doesn't make a family, but those with open hearts and who are willing to be the kind of parents God talks about in the Bible become the family otherwise someone whom is adopted would not have had. Adoption is understanding we might not be related by blood, but feeling supported, loved, safe, and fulfilled is the gift that adoption was able to give to me. Amen. This is the spirit of adoption that we've been given. Regardless of where we come from, what we've been through, what our stories were, we're welcome into this family of God, where we're supported, safe, and cared for. Something happens, I think, when we Americans read the New Testament today. We we read it and we often imagine that it is speaking directly to us individually. So when it talks about having a spirit of adoption, we think, yes, that's right, I am adopted by God, and that's true, and that's good. But in the New Testament, when we read these letters, they're always written to a group. They're written to a congregation, a family, and so when Paul says, you are adopted, you've been given a spirit of adoption, he says, you, plural. (laughs) We together are united You know, I moved here from Texas and I really think for our biblical translations that y'all word would be helpful. We all, you all have been given a spirit of adoption together. And so that means, yes, we are part of the family of God and that means, yes, we have a connection by the power of the Spirit to God, the Father, Christ, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but also we are adopted to each other, connected into a family, a common life, a mutual interdependence, and it requires the Holy Spirit to keep us together. But that's what the Spirit does. Unites us. Adopts us from a way of living that was so afraid, captive by death and fear, to be a child of God. This is the story we inherit. That we are God's people, united with God's people as God's children. We have a story. And we also have a purpose. And there are lots of ways in the New Testament we see this idea of what it is for the people of God to have purpose. But there's a part of that purpose that shows up in Romans 8 that I think is often overlooked. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable to read it, but that's what we're going to see next. So this is the second part of verse 15 in chapter 8 through 17. Paul says to the church, when we all cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit the Holy Spirit bearing witness, giving testimony with all of our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if we in fact suffer with Him, so we may also be glorified with Him. Yes, you are children of God. You are heirs, heirs with Christ of all that God will do in God's creation. That means that we would care for, be responsible for God's creation. The earth, us in it. A future and a hope we see this language we think yes maybe that inheritance it means it means heaven someday and it does mean life eternal life but it's also inheritance now inheritance to care and i think that comes out most clearly when paul says when we cry out abba father abba father Why does Paul say when we cry out, Abba, Father? That word, Abba, it's an Aramaic word. It means father. It's a a, a comfortable word that you would use, like like dad or papa, right, in Aramaic. But Paul is writing to Romans. That's the name of the book, Romans. They don't speak Aramaic. It would be like me saying to you, and you, you get to call God padre, And if your first language is in Spanish, why say Padre? Why Abba? I think that Paul is referencing the time when Jesus used those words. Jesus who spoke Aramaic. And in Mark 14.36, Jesus was praying before He went to the cross. And the text says, He said, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, for with You all things are possible, so remove this cup from Me, yet not what I want, but what You want. When we cry, Abba, Father. Paul is reminding us of Jesus' prayer in the garden, I think to remind us that often in life, things are difficult, and hard. That because we are children and heirs, we can go before the Father with the closest amount of intimacy. We can cry out. We can cry out like Jesus cried out before He went to the cross. And I think this is true because back there in Romans 8, It says, yes, we're children and we're heirs. If in fact we suffer with Him, then we also will be glorified, raised with Him. I think that means that part of our role as Christians is to take on suffering. I don't think we hear that from the pulpit very often. This is not something we like to celebrate. woo we're Christians. They'll know no, we are Christians when we suffer. <laughs> Wouldn't be a very good song. But this is me. That we would suffer with Christ. I don't know that that's the family business I'm interested in. <laughs> so you have to understand that the Roman church was already dealing with challenge and frustration and persecution. And we, Americans, we are not persecuted. So what does this mean for us? To suffer. To suffer. That word suffer. It's where we get our English word sympathy from. And so maybe we hear suffer and we think it means, I don't know, torture or something. But that's not what the word means. Suffer means literally feel and with. It's those two words put together. Empathy. (laughs) So what it's saying here is if we are children of God, heirs of God, part of our role to do is to feel with, be moved by, empathize. It's not a picture of pitying or something like that where you just feel bad for somebody, but it's feeling alongside somebody. See, this characterizes the life of Christ. Christ deeply felt with and for us, sympathized with us all the way to the cross. So I submit that part of our Christian purpose as given to us and empowered by the Spirit is that we are to feel with. They'll know we are Christians by our love. That we feel with. Those who are hurting. Those who are struggling. People who've been cast out, pushed down, pushed aside. People who are hurting, perhaps, because of their skin color, their sexuality, People with disabilities, people trapped in cycles of poverty and violence, people with mental health challenges, people having bad days, or who are just scared, or people who are grieving, or people who are overwhelmed. They'll know we are Christians when we feel with. It's astounding that to be an heir means part of what we inherit is the ability, the passion, the strength to feel with. Coster and writer Eugene Peterson says, Caring for others is the best thing we do. We are at our best when we're attending to the needs of others. Their hurts, their pains, their sorries, their disappointments, their pain, their grief, their confusion, their dismay. When we speak words of encouragement, when we bind up wounds, when we give direction, when we share trouble, we're doing these things. And then we are being most fully human. As children, as heirs, we feel with, suffer with, and also raised with. This is hard for us. It's hard for us to be honest about our feeling, and to feel with others. I want to read for you this uh, piece out of a, a talk that that Brene Brown gave, and I think it's so helpful. She says, I think that there's evidence, and it's not the only reason evidence exists, but I think it's a huge cause. that We're the most in debt and obese and addicted and medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. And the problem is, she says, I learned this from research, you cannot selectively numb emotion. You can't say, here's the bad stuff. Here's vulnerability and grief and shame and fear and disappointment. I don't want to feel these things. So I'm going to have a couple beers and a banana and a muffin. (laughs) You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing other effects. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we also numb joy and gratitude and happiness. And then we are miserable and we're looking for purpose and meaning and then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin and it becomes this cycle. For we are heirs, children of God, and we suffer with. And we're also raised up. It means the Spirit gives us such hope and care that we have the ability to be with those who are short on hope. Paul says the Spirit bears witness to our spirits. That the Spirit reminds us, no matter what, no matter what we're in, that we are children of God and we are not alone. That we are adopted. That we have hope. I want us to remember as we see how the Spirit enables us to feel with one another, to walk with one another, that it's also about us feeling and allowing people to feel with us too because for some of us it's it's easy for us to empathize with others to feel with others but it's a one way relationship we don't want anybody feeling with me <laughs> but this is about a family that shares with one another what they're struggling with across the board This is the inheritance of God's kingdom and creation. That the Spirit would unite us to be able to share the load together. To feel together. To admit together in a room that we need Jesus. That we don't have it all together. To be honest. To empathize with one another. To know we've been given a Spirit. That we are children of God. And yes, when we feel together, we feel. But also we are raised together in hope, in joy, in promise. We are most human when we care for one another. Today, we will rehearse this practice of communion where we together say we are the family of God. And we rehearse Christ's sacrifice for us Bread symbolizing a broken body, juice symbolizing blood poured out, the God who feels with us. And as we take this time together here in just a few moments, I, I pray that you don't let it just be about you and God only. Because in the act of communion, yes, we remember and we focus on our relationship to God, but we take this meal together as a family. And so in this room, we gather together and all in this room admit that we need a Savior. That we don't have it all figured out. That we need help. And together we bear each other's burdens and the Spirit bears with all of us. United around this act, the God who would sacrifice God's self for us in Christ Jesus and then conquer death. We get to share this meal as a family. And I love all of you. I doubt we normally would all gather around the same family table, but the Spirit did this. And the Spirit unites us. Together we have been given these stories, this story of sacrifice and forgiveness. Together we've been given this purpose to feel with. And in communion, we get to practice it. I love what C.S. Lewis said one time about this subject. He said, there are no ordinary people. Next to communion itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. May we be aware of those around us. I went to this conference in 2018. It was packed with people um, who, because of who was speaking and the premise of the conference, many of the people in attendance had not been to church for a long time because because of things in their lives, they had been pushed out of churches. They'd been cast aside, (laughs) told go somewhere else. It was an incredible conference, and at the end of that time, we ended with a communion service. I'll never forget it. Because in that room, I I talked to my neighbors around me and many of them said, I haven't haven't taken communion in like years. Maybe somebody had told them they couldn't take communion. And then we celebrated this together and we all walked to the front and we were handed bread, body broken for you. We were given wine, blood spilled for you. And we whacked. And we ate. And we participated in this practice of remembering that God has made us a new family. And as we say in those marriage liturgies, what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. And in this moment, as I reflected on the gift that I had been given, this story of God's work, this family story we inherit, and this call to feel with in this moment I completely understood when Jesus said to His followers, the Kingdom of Heaven is among you. May we, as we practice this act of remembering the story, a feeling with the one who feels with us. May we remember the kingdom is among us. And the holiest object presented to our senses is our neighbor. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to to worship. worship. I thank you that you sent your spirit and your spirit bears witness to our spirits to remind us that we are a family. And when everything else wants to tell us how different we are, your spirit bears witness we are children of God. That all who say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, All who seek Christ, all who seek Christ, are welcome. Welcome at your table, part of your family. May we share in your story, may we share in your purpose. And may we share bread and cup. Remember that we are loved. And we are welcome. And we are cared for. And we are united. And we are united to you. And we are united to each other. Help us to feel with. To be with. Not because we are able ourselves, but because you feel with first. <laughs> and your spirit empowers us to be united together. We thank you, Lord. And pray these things in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.